everybody. Welcome to another great episode of Double Feature Versus. I am that guy, Anthony. And I'm that guy, Brad. Yeah, that guy, he's uh, he's Brad. Ah, uh, you see, I got, I got you to say it this time. You got me to say it. All right, man. So uh, we got a classic, a classic uh, doubleheader today. We got a uh, Wes Anderson animation. Uh, before we get into it, you want to touch on some current events? Um, well, what current events are you thinking of? Because <laughs> uh, Will Smith getting banned for ten years. <laughs> Okay, I, I was curious if you're talking about the Will Smith saga because there's been a lot going on with that. I that's the latest update I heard about it. That uh, well, first he resigned to like, in my opinion, kind of get ahead of it. Not a bad, not a bad move. And then I said, oh, he's banned for ten years. Yeah, so he's banned for ten years. Uh, plus, there is him resigning. Uh, basically every project he is on is on indefinite hiatus right now. Oh yeah. I did hear about that. I don't think that's going to last Do you. Um, I have a feeling that some of them are going to definitely stick. Um, cause apparently some of them, there were problems going on before all this, uh, mm-hmm. like the Netflix project he was working on, which I think they lost the director for, that and they were still trying to find like a new director for it and then they were doing script rewrites on it again emancipation um i can't remember what it was i just remember it was his netflix project and so i have a feeling that one's just gonna get all right canceled because that one already had so many problems before the slap what happened to bright two it's uh, a great movie man <laughs> where, where, where's the sequel <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Where's the sequel to Bright 2? Uh, I, I have no idea, but I think that might be one of the saving graces is we don't have a Bright 2. <laughs> right, right. I'm just joking. Uh, I don't think they're going to cancel Bad Boys 4. I think they'll still go through with it. Um, That one is probably one that's just going to be on hiatus for a bit, and then it'll spring back up. Yeah. But, yeah, a lot of his projects. Then there's the whole thing with uh, Jada Smith saying, you know, that she doesn't like that Will Smith smacked Chris Rock. And, you know, you were laughing when it happened. Right. Yeah. Um, She seemed very happy when it happened. But now she doesn't condone violence. And she's very upset that Will would even do that. Uh, That's not my will. Yeah. I don't know what happened. There's the whole uh, video from her Instagram live that people are sharing around now of him or of Jada trying to like provoke Will into like giving his, uh, I guess. Well, I think that clip came from 2020, but it's been unearthed because people are starting to, you know, not mind their business and look into a a celebrity's marriage. You know how people do. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. This wasn't like a leaked clip or anything like that. It was like an Instagram live thing, but it's. It coming more to the public view now that this all happened of basically her egging him on and him being like, no, just don't record me in my home. Just just leave me be in my home. <laughs> I'd be honest, man, if I was married to an influencer and I'm just waking up, my fro isn't picked out or combed and she's like, hey, bae, you know, I'm just waking up doing that. No, come on, man. Like, like, come on. Like, it's too early for that. You got to let me know when I'm about to be recorded so we mm-hmm. can kind of fake improv. Not when I'm in my house. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to make eggs. Can I just make eggs in peace for the love of God? (laughs) 
he wasn't even making eggs. He was just on his phone texting. He was like, I, I don't know how I feel about you recording me yeah. in my house. And it's like, at that point, I feel bad for him because, it, yeah, at some point, you've got to be like, oh, yeah, I'm away from the paparazzi. But then when you start living with the paparazzi, it's like, oh, God, even in my own house, I'm not, like, safe from having moments of, you know, just peace. Look, I'm not in your marriage, but part of me, every time they're together at a red table, I want to go. I, I want to text in or send in a message. Will, if you're in trouble, blink five times in succession. <laughs> Let us know if you're you're in trouble over there. All you got to do uh, is man. say you need to go to the bathroom and we'll get you out of there. We got a helicopter on the roof ready to go. So what do you think, man? Fair punishment? Uh, I know some people went extreme like, oh, he should be banned for life. I was like, I don't know about for life. Um, but I think 10 years is fair. It, you know. 10 years, you know. It's a tough one because on one side of it, it, the 10 years definitely feels very warranted. You know, that's for sure. Uh, But at the same time, you got to think like he should have still been kicked out of the event as soon as that happened. I mean, we can't go backwards. Right. But But at the same time, it's kind of like he he still got to be there. He had his moment with winning, you know, best performance and everything like that. Um, mm. so it's kind of hard to be like, oh yeah, he won and now he's being kicked out after the fact, you know, it's like being told like after you leave the all you can eat buffet being told and guess what? Now you don't get any dessert and you, you've already been home for like three hours and you're just going, what do you mean? I don't get what, why are you calling me? <laughs> right. No, I, I can understand. Um, I mean, what else? I mean, what you want to do? Did you ask for the Oscar back? That right. There, there's fair. there's really not much else that they can do, but it's kind of like they reacted to it a little bit too late. So Is, apparently, I hear what you're saying. So apparently, he was on the board. He wasn't just like a part of the academy, like you know, like lots of people are. But he was actually like on the board of the academy. Um, that I don't know. I didn't hear if he was actually on the board or not. I think I heard that from somebody. Don't quote me though. But um, because um, I think him and Whoopi and a few other people are on the board. But you know, oh well, we'll see how this all turns out, how this all plays out. Right. Um, There's still plenty of time for new development on this one because this is still, it, this is a new thing for the Oscars to have to deal with. You know. Okay. Yeah. One more thing. Everything, everywhere, all at once. You see it. Not yet. I I want to see it so bad. It started showing in theaters here. I haven't gotten a chance to same. pick a ticket for it though yeah same i'm gonna see it next weekend though okay for sure uh but you know a few weeks we got our boy nick oh, cage yeah. and we got the northman which should be awesome i can't wait to see the northman yeah we have some really good ones coming up i i'm really excited i'm glad man because i was starting to um you know uh see if i had to kick the brakes on my amc a list I'm like, I haven't really been using this thing that much. I think I might have to cancel. See, I'm still in that boat where I probably only use it to see like one movie a month, if that, right now, because screenings yeah, pop worth up. It at that point. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. That's that too. Yeah. It's just not worth it at that point. But I'm still holding out. I told myself I give myself two or three months. If I calculate how much I've been to the movies in a year and I'm not using it that much, I'll cancel the subscription. Yeah. Did you see the uh, questionnaire that they started sending some people regarding like additional uh, tiers for it for like uh, snacks and like drinks and stuff? 
I gotta be honest. I probably went to my spam. What, what did it say? It uh, it was only sent to like select people, kind of to get an idea of like, hey, if we added a tier where you paid an additional like ten dollars a month, you would get you know one free drink a week, or if you paid fifteen dollars extra a month, you would get a free popcorn and a drink every week or once a week, kind of thing. Screw that, man. Screw that. Come on. Yeah. Come on. You're doing too much. So there were a bunch of, I probably have the dollar amounts wrong, but it was a bunch of things where like you get one drink a week or you get two drinks a week or you get a popcorn every week or you get a drink and a popcorn every week. How about you lower concession prices and then uh, that will be enough for us. I mean, I'm still just buying the free popcorn coupons off of eBay from the My Coke Rewards for like 99 cents for a large uh, popcorn and stuff. Wait a minute, you just put me up on game with something. What did you just say? <laughs> so, uh, My Coke Rewards, basically where you have those little codes on the bottom of the uh, bottle caps and everything like that. If you uh-huh. redeem enough, you get you know free rewards and stuff. And people sell those on eBay. They must be botting the site in some way to be getting so many coupons and everything. But you can find them sometimes for like two bucks for a large popcorn. Two bucks for so uh so how many Coke rewards uh adds up to a large popcorn? I have no idea. I just buy the coupon codes outright. So if you just go to eBay and you search like AMC large popcorn, you'll see the coupons pop up. And it basically depends on like what kind of offers they've had recently for how many are out there and everything like that. Sir, you are a genius. See, this is why you need a friend like Brad, man. <laughs> To put you up on game about something like this. I, I find all this stuff. Like right now, I just search for AMZ large popcorn. And I already found one that's a large popcorn and a large fountain drink. Uh, $3.95. Yeah. I, I'm looking at it. This is why you need a friend like Brad, man. You, you uh, can't. Oh, if you scroll down a little bit more, you have the one where it's two drinks and a large popcorn for three ninety five. Oh, yeah, I see that. Yeah. So it sometimes you'll see them on here where it comes out to like a dollar per ticket because they'll be selling them, you know, at uh, such like a bulk. Uh, like there's one for four large popcorns and four large drinks for 12 bucks. You know, it basically comes out to just, you know, a little over a dollar per more or less. Wow. That's just that's taking candy from a baby, man. <laughs> I, no, this is amazing. Why, why do you, I'm not rich, but I still get popcorn and a drink when I go to AMC. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not rich, but um, I'm still thinking about filing bankruptcy after getting a large popcorn every time I go to AMC. Because <laughs> $9, man, oh my goodness. I don't know. Is how that it is how it's Michigan. gone up to now? I don't know how it is in Michigan, but yeah, that's how it is here. Whew. Yeah, I, just, I wouldn't pay that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you you got me rethinking my life <laughs> extraordinarily. All right, uh, I'm sorry, y'all. We got a little uh, sidetracked there. Which is the uh, double feature way. It is. All right, so, you know, usually we don't do this, but uh, how about we just hit them off with a little bit of the uh, chronological order? Um. Yeah, you know what? For this one, I think chronological makes the most sense. Which would put us talking about the fantastic Mr. Fox first. Yes, sir. Uh, I could take that. I could take the lead on this. Okay. All right. 
So, I mean, pretty uh, cut and dry. If you know the uh, 1970 children's novel, which I just, I never read, um, by uh, Roald Dahl, who wrote the novel uh, that inspired Matilda. And uh, I think the one that inspired Willy Wonka, oh man, he wrote a lot of great ones. Uh, James and the Giant Peach. Oh yeah, he's he's a prolific writer. Like most of his books have been turned into movies in some way. Yeah, I know. I'm seeing the BFG, the Witches. Uh, yeah, he's a all right. He's an OG. But uh, this is based off of a children's book. Uh, this is a film by Wes Anderson uh, with a beautiful stop motion animated um, stop motion animation. So it's about a fox named Mr. Fox. You know he uh. He's retired from a life of stealing chickens. Uh, he's decided to go straight uh, as he lives with his wife and son. And, uh, you know, one thing leads to another. He's tired of, like, you know, uh, being poor, so to speak, living in this. Like, his uh, life is too mundane and he needs something to actually excite him again. Life is too mundane. So he uh, he hatches a plan with his friend um, and, and opossum. I thought he was just a possum, but they call him an opossum. Uh, to uh, steal from three major farms. Well, actually, he gets real estate n- near three major farms. Uh, mm-hmm. One ran by Bogus, one ran by Bunsen, one ran by Bean, their last name. Uh, there are three farmers that are very ruthless in the way they hunt down foxes and uh, intruders on their farms. So uh, long story short, Mr. Fox, you know, robs all of them. And uh, now they find themselves, him and his friends and all the inhabitants of his um, of, of, of his community near this big tree, find themselves on the run from these three farmers as they hunt them down. And, um, you know, that's, I mean, that's the, the film goes in different that, ways. That's the too, bare but, bones of this movie is yeah. it's basically Mr. Fox trying to get himself out of the trouble he got the entire community into by deciding to go back to his old ways and rob these uh, three very big kind of business farmers. Dude, I got to say, man, um, this being my first time watching this, Owl of Dogs this time around was my second. Uh, dude, I love this movie, man. This was a great, this was, this was a great movie. Like, oh, I yeah. really enjoyed, I think what Wes, Wes Anderson did great with Owl of Dogs and kind of built more upon, which we'll talk about. What he started in here is that, you know, he, he has palpable emotion in each of his films. Some people may be turned off by his quirkiness. Like, I, I really think Wes Anderson has slept on, even to this day. But I feel like once you get past the quirky aesthetic, the man is just a very well-crafted uh, storyteller, man. Oh, 100%. Because uh, even when you mentioned, I, we've talked about this movie probably a couple years back, and I remember you saying, I haven't seen it yet, and I was like, we're, we're going to do an episode on it. Eventually, we have to do an episode on Fantastic Mr. Fox, because you I've, need to watch this one. I've always had the Criterion sitting in my, uh, in, my, in, my, in my movie box, and I said, one day I will watch it, and I plan to, but until this episode came up, and I said, oh, well, here's the perfect time. Yeah, man, I uh, I loved it, man. I loved the character development in this film. Like Foxy, you know, he's uh, played by George Clooney, the you know Mr. Fox. He's a uh, he's a confident dude. You know, he's he 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 has confidence, but even he knows that his plans are what can be a little way over his head. Like he's a guy who's um, you corrected me the first time I tried to say it. his ambitions uh, overweigh his efforts. Um. Yeah, basically, he has he bites off much more than he can chew. Yeah, literally. Um, 
if apparently he's the only fox that knows how to kill a chicken in this movie. Well, he's uh, the only animal that knows how to kill a chicken. I think the only person that tried to do it outside of him, because um, Felicity, um, his wife, is able to kill a chicken. Because they do it at the beginning of the movie. Um, it's basically okay. just Lloyd that uh, has trouble with that. You're right, you're right, you're right. Um, uh, but yeah, he's man. also a possum. He doesn't have teeth to be, you know, breaking a chicken's neck in one bite. <laughs> Dude, I love the relationship between him and uh, his son, Ash, because Ash is so unlike Foxy. You know, he's kind of a, um, he's a different kid. He's a bit more introverted. Uh, Foxy doesn't understand him. And uh, I love how every time he talks to him, he says, you know, he's just a little you know, different. Like he does the hands. Um, and uh, when his cousin comes to town because um, his father is sick at the time and he lives with them. What was his cousin's name? Was it Franklin? Uh, Christopherson. Christopherson. Yeah, he's like he's just like a so much more. Um, I want to say better fox, but he's not cocky. He's humble. Um, he's nice. He's kind-hearted. He's nice. But uh, Ash hates him because like he gets all the attention from his father that he doesn't get. Well, he gets the attention from everybody. He gets the attention from the girl at school. He gets the attention from, he's able to beat up the bully at his school. Uh, The coach, you know, sees him as like a perfect athlete. His dad gives him attention and brings him on one of the heists. So basically he's become second fiddle to his cousin as soon as he jumps into the picture. Dude, I forgot all about the coach. I, I legit thought that was Steve Jean. I was like, that sounds like Steve Zahn. Then I said, oh, no, that's Owen Wilson. It that's right. Like that is Zahn. Owen Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. I, I forgot that was him. Um, yeah, but I really like I really like the character development in this movie, man. Um, so, like, how many times have you seen this? So, this is probably... It's still a low number. It's still, like, maybe fourth or fifth time seeing it because I've okay. caught it a couple times. And for a little bit, this was actually one of, like, the in-flight movies that was an easy one to just throw on and watch, you know, when Wait, traveling. They still do that? Wait, they, do they give you, like, a do they give you like an option? Do they hand you hand them out to you, or you, you select them on a screen? You select it on the screen. And, like, Fantastic Mr. Fox was always one of the ones that was just a staple on there for the longest time. Oh. Because I remember watching it, I think, twice through in-flight movies. Uh, one of those when I was actually just traveling uh, internationally, and it was like a 10-hour flight, and you're just like, just whatever movie. It's just noise. That's what I want. Noise to listen to that's better than the plain noise. <laughs> I got you. Hey, man, I'll say this about Wes Anderson. I got a lot of compliments for him, but I'd say with the animated film, he knows how to ratchet up the tension. Like oh, Things yeah. never get boring. And the best part is he uses the animation to its full advantage. Like you have the scenes with the beagles and everything like that, where he's like Mm -hmm. planning out the entire heist. He's like beagles love blueberries and you kind of see them kind of sniff it, lick it up. And then their eyes go to like the stars to pass out. And, you know, does the same for, I can't remember who that was. I want to say that was Bogus, right? August. Uh, Who had the Beagles? Um, I think uh, I forgot which I forgot which farm he was, but I I I forgot which one had the rabbit beagle. But wasn't it the main guy that started the whole thing? Uh, the the nasty farmer. 
Uh, Bean? Yeah, I think it was Bean. I don't know. I forgot, but I I hear what you're saying. Right. But, uh, yeah, so with that, you have, like, that whole thing, and then you have the blueberries call back to later as well. You know, beagles love blueberries. You know, never look a beagle in the eyes. So it it does a good way of kind of giving you information and not just leaving it out there. It definitely uses Mm. all the information that it gives you. And they use every, you know, piece masterfully. Uh, the fight with Mr. Fox and the rat is great, where they kind of play with the lighting a little bit, their slender bodies and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have, you know, Christofferson and his, like, karate and everything like that. You have Ash with just being completely off the wall, like, it, the stereotypical annoying kid throughout the entire movie. Mm-hmm. You know... Yeah, you want you want to hate him because he's so perfect. You want to you want to hate Christopherson for you so because he's so perfect, but you can't help but love him, right? Because you know, you know, yeah, yeah. I love how I love the exchange to him and Ash when uh, he stops the bully from uh, getting on Ash, and Ash is like, "I can take care of myself." No, you can't. No, no, you could. No, no, no you can't. <laughs> like, man, I hate you so much, but you got you got love for him though. Yeah. Oh, and then you have the scene where they're jumping into the pool from the tree. I still love that one. Watch me, Dad! And he just starts flailing about as he's falling and everything like that. And then Christopherson goes, and it's just a little dip into the pool. You know, the little tiny splash of, like, three droplets pop up, and that's it. Remember to tuck your tail in next time. Yeah, and remember to tuck your tail in. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, man. uh, First time watching this uh, very lovely uh, like I said, well made, dude. Like I love how they do the stop motion here, man. Like, Have you ever watched the crappy. behind the scenes on how they did it, either for this or no, Isla Dogs? No, but I should. Oh, it's insane to show because they do it in like the fast paced motion, so you almost see it like in real time for like how it moves in the movie and everything, but you just mm. see all the hands like coming in and out of frame and stuff, and it's doing a frame counter in the corner showing you, like, how many frames it is. Uh, There's a really good one for, like, the sushi scene in Isle of Dogs that if anybody loves stop, you know, motion or anything like that, like Wallace and Gromit and everything like that, um, I highly recommend looking it up because it's absolutely beautiful how they do it, like how they just meticulously go frame by frame on the slight movements to get a full animation in. Yeah, for sure. I um, one thing I know is like uh, when I look at his films, dude. It's like even when you look at his live action films, the dude loves his uh, Maisen Sen. I think that's how you call it. It's it's pronounced Maisen Sen, but the way it looks is mice in scene, and that's pretty much just laying out the whole production design of each and every shot. Like this man, everything is so coordinated with Wes Anderson. If you watch Royal Tenenbaums, if you watch uh, Rushmore, all of his films, he just, the cinematography is always great, but the placement of like his, um, everything in his set design within a single shot is all planned and coordinated perfectly. It's like what you love about Edgar Wright's Baby Driver, how how the characters are moved to the beat of every song. Wes Anderson is like that in every movie. Oh, yeah. It, it, and it's a very apparent in some scenes and other scenes. It kind of it just flows so well, you don't even notice it. Because mm-hmm. yeah. you have scenes like with the 
when he's doing the wolf and everything like that, and you kind of have the distant shots of the wolf, and then it's a close-up from the wolf's perspective of kind of looking at them, and, you know, it continually goes back and forth, the zoom-ins, the outs, so you get, like, the full picture of, like, how far apart these two are and everything like that as they're talking and trying to understand each other. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, man, I just... uh I, I honestly do love the guy. I, I think he makes great movies. Oh yeah. Uh, anything else you gotta uh, point out with this one? Like I don't. I as much as I love this movie, I don't have a lot to say about it because uh, it was pretty much just eighty-seven minutes uh, cut and dry to the point. Yeah, it's it isn't like a fast-paced movie, but it's a filling movie. Uh, it does great with the time that it has. I wish that more people had seen this one when it came out and everything like that because it deserves a great audience. Uh, one thing that we didn't mention is I love how to get the PG. I can't remember if this is PG or PG-13, but in order to get around uh, having like swear words and stuff like that, everybody just goes, what the cuss? Or, you know, cuss that, you know. And I I love that kind of recurring joke because the first time you hear it, you're like, did he just say? And then it's throughout the entire movie. Every time that comes up, it's just hilarious. Yeah. It's like frack in Battlestar Galactica. Right. First time, first time you hear it, it sounds odd, but then you just get used to it as you go along. Like, uh, I remember Bill Murray's character, the accountant was like the cuss you ain't Yeah, cussing me. He's like, 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 and they just kind of riff off that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of little creative things. Uh, the whole like whack bat or what is it? Whack bat, right? Yeah, whack bat. So the whole thing where, you know, explaining what that is and trying to like go, okay, so it's pretty simple. All you got to do is da 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 da. And it basically is describing uh, a combination of baseball and kickball, more or less, in mm. a single sport. Yeah. And I love how they kind of just, he goes through the thing like it's nothing. And it's like, and that's basically all there is to it. <laughs> I didn't give this film a fair shot when it came out in 2009. I, I didn't know Wes Anderson's name back then. I hadn't seen a lot of his movies. Uh, I think the only thing I knew about him was his American Express commercial. And I said, oh, that's kind of an odd commercial. I didn't know of his movies. So when it came out, I said, that looks like that's for kids. And, you know. Obviously, cut to today, and I was, you know, really wrong about that. I mean, it is a family picture, but it mm. being a family movie doesn't take away from it being a fantastic movie in any way. I just saw animation and thought, man, only kids would like that movie, dude. I didn't see that, you know. Of course, today it's a film with heart and humor and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I prejudged it, right? Um, yeah, I gotta say, I give this uh, I. I'm leaning towards a 4.5, but I, I give it a four. Uh, this we'll, one's a 4.5 to me. Okay. I, I This is a fantastic movie. The animation is great. The story is great. The characters are great. Uh, not only that, but we didn't even really touch on the fact that this has a A-plus voice cast behind it. Dude, William Dafoe as a rat. I couldn't even hear it. Yeah. That's how great he was. Yeah, absolutely wonderful. Um, which... It, the same can be said for the next movie, Isle of Dogs, which also has a very packed cast inside of it. 
Now, I got to say, the reason I didn't give it a 4.5 is because the next movie we discussed uh, had a much, much bigger impact on me the first time I saw it in comparison. Okay. Dang, I think I, I, think I just gave away my verdict. Yeah. It's all right. We'll, 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 we'll work <laughs> up to that. Uh, you ready to move on? Yeah. So the next movie we have here is Isle of Dogs. So this one takes place in a fictional Japan where a version of, or a flu has spread around similar to like swine flu, but for dogs that causes them to be very contagious. It gives them a series of different kind of effects like Constant sneezing, uh, bad eyesight, you know, shivers, you know, all kinds of stuff. And so in order to kind of save humanity from this atrocious thing, they move all the dogs onto an island called Trash Island, which is literally the dump for everything in Japan. So as a result, we have Atari who goes there to try and find his dog that was taken from him and thrown onto Trash Island. And the adventure of the movie is him teaming up with a pack of dogs that have been thrown onto the island to try and find his dog's spot or spots. Yeah. What can I say about this movie, man? When I first saw it, you and I talked about it. I went to an advanced screening of it at Main Art Theater. I think you say you probably were in the same yeah, I, one. I, there is a strong chance that even though we didn't know each other at that time, right, right. we were in the same theater with each other experiencing this movie for the first time. Dude, the way this film starts off, you know, with the um, t- the prologue t- talking about how the dogs became submissive in the beginning, you know, when they lost the war. Mm-hmm. And then you see the kids, you know, uh, drumming the beat for the, uh, the opening uh, theme song. I was just in marvel of all the stop motion animation. Now, by this point, I knew about Wes Anderson and knew that I was a fan. But I was like, man, the craft that went into this, like, that's amazing. Like, this movie is, when you watch this movie, you're half (coughs) in awe of its creation, its direction, and you're half uh, enjoying the story. Yeah, you're so in awe, you can barely breathe right now. Yeah, man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I told you, man, this movie has an effect on me. Um, dude, I loved it, man. I love, I love that the film. Now, in the, in the, I gotta admit, in the beginning when I first saw this film, I was a little wary of like not being able to understand the young kid, the main character Atari. I said, wait, they're just gonna like let him speak, and we're not gonna understand what he's saying. Uh, but I think it's a nice mix that you know this movie is really about the dogs. Yeah, it, you- it's a beauty behind it. It has yeah. that um, kind of same mystery about it is uh, the movie Lost in Translation, where there's no subtitles mm. for anything. The only time that you understand what's being said is if you speak that language, or it happens to be one of the scenes that is translated by a translator of some kind, whether it be a vocal know. translator or through some kind of like prompt that you see on a TV showing subtitles. Now look, man, I haven't seen Lost in Translation many times, but I never noticed that. You they never do put subtitles for the people that's um they're in Japan, right? Yeah, that one takes place in Japan. That's where he's filming the I think it's a commercial in that one, right? Wow, well, I, I yeah, he's filming a commercial. <laughs> um and Scarlett Johansson is uh with her director boyfriend, which, you know, may or may not be Spike Jones in real life. But uh yeah, man. I never, I never, I never found, I never connected that. I've only seen the movie twice, but you're right. Um, yeah, that is the beauty of this movie, though, because the the communication between a human and their dog is universal. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You don't, my dog, you know, rest in peace to Kirk. Every time I watch this movie, I, I miss her. Um, she didn't need to understand me to know what I was saying when I was saying to her, when I was calling her name, when I said, hey, come here, you know, like she, she understood me, you know? Uh, and that's what this movie is about, just language. And these dogs, um, in the beginning, outside of Boss, uh, his, his name was uh, uh, in Chief. The, Chief. Outside of Chief, um, you know, Rex, King, Duke, um, and Boss, you know, they're all they're all waiting. For, they're all looking for a master. You know, they miss their masters. Mm-hmm. You know, Chief is a stray dog. You know, he's like, I don't have a master. So when um, Atari shows up, they all like, oh, man, somebody that can, uh, you know, control us. Can You know, we can play fetch with. Can somebody be our, be our leader. Right. Um, yeah, man, because it's like, you know, this whole time they seem to communicate with him well, and him with them, even though they don't have the transmitter thing that his dog used to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I love how they play around with the fact that they don't understand him at all, you know, because there's even one scene where they're kind of all sitting around and uh, Atari's going on some kind of, you know, tirade about something. And they're all looking at each other. And I think like boss makes comment, you know, it'd be great if one of us actually spoke his language. And then he goes, Sito. And they're like, oh, I understood that. And they all sit. (laughs) Right. And the boss chief doesn't sit. And they're like, "Uh, hey, sit down. Obey the master. He's like, man, he's not my master. I like how. um, I like how chief finally comes around. Like they, they got that. They got that part where they play fetch. And, you know, um, he he bathes him and, you know, actually gets him to, like, kind of obey. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, they they are dogs. I mean, right. they're, they're dogs. And it's like it's it, it, there's friendship there and there's connection there. Um, I wouldn't say this is a kid's movie per se, but I think kid, mature kids can understand this film. It's on the line. This one is definitely like once you're hitting like teenage Right. Kind of years. This is one that you'd appreciate more. Um, beyond that, anybody younger than that, I guess even some people that like aren't huge with like movies and kind of stuff like that would be put off by the fact that this doesn't have subtitles. Because if I recall correctly, that was a huge pushback on this movie. The mm-hmm. decision to not have subtitles when I'd say a solid third of the movie's dialogue is all in another language i'd say yeah that can throw you off but if you're like um if you know the style of wes anderson if you know the precise uh set design the deadpan humor the quirkiness the the heart mixed with the heart that's just as balanced as the humor then you kind of bypass all that like this film was anticipated for a long time i remember everyone was like Oh, West End is his next animated film, mm-hmm. you know, and I and I kept seeing more updates on it. I was kind of anticipating it myself, you know, until I saw the advanced screening uh, finally. And uh, yeah, man, just great film. I love the I love the whole joke with Oracle. Like they they think she sees oh, the yeah. future. She tells them, hey, it's going to rain tonight. Uh, whoever's wondering. He said, oh, my goodness. She actually sees the future. No, she just knows how to watch TV. Yeah, she just understands <laughs> the TV. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, man, it's just a great, it's just a great adventure movie, dude. I love the the relationship, the strained relationship between Atari and uh, Kenji, Kenji Kobayashi, the uh, city's, you know, um, you know, authoritarian mayor, because 
I just I just love how there's there's palpable conflict there between them. And I um mm-hmm. I love the showdown in the end. Not skip it to the end in case you want, you know, pick out other scenes, but just like Wes Anderson just has a great knack for like character development. Yeah, he does. And he also like his kind of offbeat comedy shows in this as well because you have like the scene where they get separated on the uh, rail track and yeah. they get thrown into what is a trash compactor and then we eventually like go back and see them in the trash compactor and all the machines are just slightly off timed so like they get through it and then it crushes right behind them they get you know thrown into the goop and then it completely just blows right off of them and basically right. they go you know I think if it was working correctly, we'd all be dead right now. <laughs> right. Like, uh, I, I love how he messes with time. Like, he goes three hours ago, three hours later, one hour later. Yeah. And it's just all just, just timed so perfectly and, like, in rhythm. Uh, Edward Norton's Rex, like, was the funny was the funniest oh, one to me. Oh, easily. Though. Yeah. He just had the best lines. Like, when, they're, when a bag first lands on the Isle of Dogs, and uh, it's them versus the other group of dogs. And they're about to fight. He goes, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's just look inside and decide if it's worth fighting for. And everyone goes, eh, all right. All right, all right yeah, all right, okay. Right. He goes, uh, he goes uh, a banana peel, a uh, maggots infested, uh, 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 apple core. And then somebody interrupts. Okay, it's worth fighting. Yeah. Then, okay, it's worth it. <laughs> right. Yeah, man. I, uh, I, I, I loved it all, man. The uh, the sushi scene was very well crafted, dude. Yeah, like, the sushi it, it scene is real. amazing. Uh, that's yeah. one of the ones that they actually have like a step by step. Like as I said, look it up on YouTube. I'm sure it's there of the stop motion kind of behind the scenes for that kind of scene, and mm-hmm. it, it's amazing the amount of like work and talent that went into just that alone to make it look as great as it does because the animation here is all stop motion but it's all so fluid and it is you know because i'm used to watching like stop motion animation as a kid i watched like pingu and wallace and gromit and stuff like that where it was like the claymation kind of stop motion stuff and it was a little janky at times and everything but that was a part of the charm of it with I remember this chicken run yeah, and Chicken Run, you know, and it, it has a little bit of, you know, jankiness with the claymation a little bit, but this, it's just so precise on everything, on those little, you know, things, the eyeballs twitching, you know, the tears and everything and going through that. It's it's absolutely beautiful, and it's kind of, like, amazing that they managed to pull it off at all, let alone for a full, how long is this movie, an hour and a half? short i know that um i would say i want i was like like 100 minutes yeah so the fact that they pulled it off so beautifully throughout it's it's amazing i i love this kind of like artwork and everything that goes into it and this movie pulls it off 100 percent. yeah i like how it pays uh, it pays respectful uh homage to uh japanese culture like you know atari where they have him yelling and going through emotions. They don't try to paint him as a stereotypical uh, Japanese kid. He's a, he's human. He's, he's complex. And uh, you instantly relate to him. You know, he just wants to save his dog. Right. And he's still a kid. They, they definitely push that. He's still a kid in this, especially in the scene with the, uh, what was it? The theme park and the slide. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The slide. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. We're basically, 
the scene is where he's still like on the lookout for spots, but they land in this theme park. So for a moment, he takes a moment to go down this slide and everything. And it's a time where he's been split from everybody except for chief. And this is where him and chief start to actually like get along and everything where chief's like, yeah, I will leave you. You know, I'm not coming back. I'm going to keep moving on. (laughs) And he starts whistling and then chief, uh, you know, he returns the whistle and, 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 and shows up for him. Yeah. And I like how at one point uh, <laughs> Chief is all washed and they come across the other dogs and they're all dirty and they go, Chief, what happened to you? Oh, I, I took a bath. It's like, you took a bath? He says, yeah, you know. Wait, uh, the kid had soap <laughs> this entire time? Yeah, and he's like, we played fetch. You went back and you, you brought it back to him? He's like, yeah, he's a good boy. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's usually what you say about dogs. Like, he's a good boy, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I love that. Oh, yeah, we were just, you know, evading certain death while you were just having fun playing fetch and getting bubble baths. Right. And I love how they take a vote on everything as well. They they always go against him. Right. It's always four to one every single time, but they always take a vote. Like, I don't think we should eat the kid. You're not the you're not the leader of this group. Let's take a vote. Everyone in favor of eating the kid. Nay, yay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um what what are key moments that stand out to you, man? Key characters. What did you feel about Tracy, the uh, American foreign exchange student? Um her scenes kind of I I guess they didn't really stick out as much to me as the scenes on Trash Island. Like I understand that she was kind of the pro dog kind of force that was going through like the political thing of, you know, we can't do this. You know, this needs to be stopped because she had the whole conspiracy about how uh, the flu, the dog flu was created in order to, you know, get rid of dogs and finally give this mayor a chance to make cats the dominant pet of all of Japan. And, you know, that whole plot line, it's just. It's wacky, it's funny, and it's Wes Anderson. <laughs> yeah, I I believe that. Um, I I feel like she was necessary for plot for sure. Yeah, I I'd like, say I, that she, in my opinion, she was like one of the weaker points of the movie when it kind of mm-hmm. like would go to her just doing what she was doing. Um, she did have a great scene in that. I can't tell if that was a bar or a diner, whatever that was, when she approaches a scientist about finding out if what she had was real or not. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I remember what you're talking about. Yeah, that that was a great scene. Uh, the one with her in, like, the school building, eh, it didn't really matter to me. When she was, like, at home with, like, the board, when, like, the wire and uh, the pin board and everything, it, it didn't really do much for me. Yeah, I felt like she was a nice, uh, a nice ally, a light, a nice uh, long, t- uh, long distance uh, love interest. I mean, she kind of had a crush on him, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, yeah, I didn't feel like she was a bad character. Uh, yeah, she wasn't a bad character. I just feel like her scenes like slowed down the movie a little bit. What'd you feel about uh, Frances McDormand? as the uh, as the narrator like every time somebody was on screen and she was like uh translating what they were saying oh i absolutely loved it i thought that was a great touch with uh her kind of putting a little bit of personality into just being a translator as well mm-hmm. you know oh man you'd never believe this you know 
Um, wait, is that a haiku? Is is that what that was? <laughs> you know, the little right. kind of things like that. As he starts crying, like it was a haiku. Just give me a moment. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. I liked it, man. Uh, I loved it when I first saw it. It was just a, a film with just like a lot of um, just a lot of charm to it, dude. Uh, now this one to me, man, is a rarity. This one was a straight. It was a straight classic when I first saw it, and it's a straight classic today. Uh, I give it five out of five. See, I still give this one a four point five out of five. I think this one, it like we said, it's it's a beautiful movie. It's a great plot. It's one that's not kind of done over and over again. It's a very original movie. Uh, the fact that they don't translate what anybody's saying unless it's important to the plot uh, makes it kind of very niche in its market because you don't get that from a lot of movies. And I kind of like when they do that, where they have like scenes where you understand it without knowing what's being said kind of thing. And it just goes to show like how well the animation is that you can understand exactly what Atari's saying and going through without understanding literally what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's fair. That's fair. So, all right. So you, you cut it close. I'm, I'm, you know, what you know, what wins with me, what wins with you, Isle or, or Mr. Fox? Um, I gotta say Isle of Dogs still wins on this one. Okay. Uh, but they're still, they're both 4.5s to me. Uh, Isle of Dogs is just like inches above Fantastic Mr. Fox in my opinion. Yeah. Isle of Dogs is pretty good. I, I will give you that for sure. Um, yeah, and, and Fantastic Mr. Fox, my first time watching it. I enjoyed it. Uh, did you see Morbius? I haven't seen Morbius yet. I Most likely, I'm going to wait until that one hits like streaming because it's going to hit wow. streaming in like a week. I know it's going to hit streaming in like a week because the theaters are already like empty out. If you haven't seen like the box office numbers for last week, um, it, the move, I'm pretty sure five people went to the movies to see it last week kind of thing. Yo, I saw a meme online. Um, it had one of those two characters from Dragon Ball Z, the ones that are always fighting. Oh, Goku uh, and Vegeta. Goku and Vegeta. They said, uh, "Let's not fight here. Let's find a more quiet place." No, we had to it, go somewhere empty, devoid of life. That <laughs> uh, you must have read a different one. It's, they said, "Let's go to an empty place," and it was a theater showing Morbius. Well, it's an actual scene in the anime where you know. Goku's like, there's too much life here. We could actually hurt somebody. We got to go somewhere that's devoid of life, you know, or someplace oh, that doesn't okay. have any, you know, anyone that we can hurt. And then it's a recurring kind of meme whenever they want to show like something that's dead. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I saw it, man. You know, we talked about it. I told you it's, it was, I, I didn't hate it. Um, but it was it was okay, you know. Uh, I don't I don't know if I was expected more. I kind of just went in going, all right, yeah, Jared Leto superhero anti-hero movie. Uh, let's see what let's see what happens. Yeah, uh, from the things that I've heard from it, it just confuses me. Um, mostly where this falls within all of what Sony's trying to do with Spider Man and everything. Yeah, I, I don't understand. Uh, do you want me to tell you? Um, I already know that it's the vulture scenes. Yeah, like he 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 ends up there, but he doesn't go back to his original universe. So I'm like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Are he in the same universe as Tom Hardy's Venom? 
or are they different? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, because I heard that all the references from the trailers were cut out of the movie entirely. Yeah, they cut out the scene where he saw him and was like, what's up, Doc? Yeah, I was expecting to see that and it wasn't in there for some reason. Yeah, they this movie went through so many cuts and reshoots and rescripts and everything like that. Because keep in mind, this was originally supposed to come out before Venom 2 even right. came out. So I'm this waiting. was supposed to apparently have a huge scene that led into Venom 2 at one point that was completely cut from it. Um, there's the scenes with Vulture that were completely cut from it. And then they tacked on some new scenes at the end. Where apparently he has a suit back, but even though he's in a different universe, and technically the Tinker made a suit in the that old one, sense. and his suit was made from Shatari alien tech anyway, so it's not like he found the Tinkerer and the Shatari in this universe and had his new suit created. Like, there's just it, don't, don't think too much. Yeah, about it's, it, dude. <laughs> don't think too much about it. Uh, it's gonna make your head hurt. Right. Yeah. Yeah, man. When I saw it, man, I was kind of like, all right, whatever. Um, I look at this as a transitional film, uh, more of a pregame. You know, uh, Captain Marvel was a pregame transitional film for Endgame. Okay. You know, it's just, I I didn't really put much stock. I love Brie Larson, but I didn't really put much stock in, stock into it. Uh, Jared Leto was a solid actor, but I didn't put much stock into this movie. It was a pregame transition to Doctor Strange 2. This is just something to hold me over until Doctor Strange comes out. I got, did you get your tickets for Doctor Strange? I didn't know they went on sale. Oh yeah, tickets went on sale. I got mine. Uh, 3pm showing on like Thursday. Yeah, Yeah, I'll look into that when I get paid. I'll look into that when I get paid. Um... All right, yeah, I'll look into that. Uh, No, I haven't gotten them yet, but I know I'm excited. Uh, So you're going to wait for streaming, huh? I'm not going to tell you it's not a bad move. Uh, Like like I said, it's not a horrible movie. I I just, it was just exactly what you would expect. I would give it, in retrospect, 2.5. Yeah, it's, it's just one of those things where if I don't get out to see a movie, because... You got to keep in mind, to go to a theater now is such a hassle because of, you know, I'm not even going to say I blame COVID for it, but mm-hmm. COVID just changed the way that, like, I look at going to the movies now, where it's like, you, you mean I got to actually, like, look up when it's playing, and then I got to go during one of those designated times, and right, I got to right. drive there, and then I had to wait until the movie starts, and eventually I had to drive back home. And I had to only eat the snacks they let me eat after I give them the coupons I bought on eBay. Oh, dude, I I love it, man. I'm fully integrated now. I love the the short. I love the drive. I love uh, the getting the concessions, dude. I got hooked on AMC pretzels. I never used to eat those. Oh, really? <laughs> the I little pretzel bites. Pre- yeah, I always got into the popcorn, but I got hooked on the pretzel bites, man. I never used to eat those, but. Yeah, I'm eating those now, and I just wait for the. I even do the. I even do the newbie thing where you get early <laughs> before you commercials, and you know Melissa Menudos comes on and says, "Like, thank you for coming early. Let's get in the newbie and, and talk about some new films that's coming up." Even though we're about to watch a whole bunch of trailers after, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, man, I'm fully integrated. Oh man, yeah, I I completely forgot the newbie was even a thing but as soon as you mentioned it it's like i remember that because then they would have the things where you could go on your phone and like uh do the quizzes live <laughs> and stuff not, 
now they got the thing where you can go on your phone and play the arcade game, which is whack because it's so buggy. I tried to like do the thing on my phone. It was just so buggy. I couldn't. Oh, do that's anything. right. Where you point it at the screen and you like yeah. control. Yeah. Maybe on a fun night where it's packed, you can pull off something like that. But it was just like just like boring because I couldn't like it was my my phone was too static anyway. I was like, I just give up, man. I don't care anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Because right. coming ahead, like recently, the only movie that I like went out to see was uh, Sonic Two, which surprisingly really enjoyable. I heard that, man. I still haven't seen the first one, but I heard. Uh, people say you should watch the first one especially if you love 90s jim carrey um yeah jim carrey is fantastic in sonic and sonic 2 i can say that like i love old 90s jim carrey i also love like the more serious jim carrey that we get in like uh eternal sunshine of the spotless mind and oh for sure uh, the show kidding and stuff like that like he does a great job of playing a serious role but his goofiness of like watching him do like an ace ventura or uh grinch kind of thing for this movie in hindsight man i gotta be honest dude and i I, ace ventura ain't that funny to me really it it doesn't take precedence over a liar liar or uh what's another great one not Uh, the dumb and dumber Dumb and Dumber. It doesn't take precedence or me, myself, and Irene. It doesn't take precedence over those movies to me, man. Like, um, I do like The Mask. The Mask is a little goofy, but I do like The Mask. But Ace Ventura, you know, all righty then. I just, I don't know. And I got, I liked it as a kid. Looking at it now, it's like, man, it's a little goofy. I, I still think it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah. Granted, I haven't watched the full movie in years, but Look, man, when the clips com- come on, I'll watch them. This is coming from a guy that loves Biodome, all right? I know I'm not yeah. perfect. <laughs> I know I'm not perfect, you know, of course. Um, dude, I still like the number 23. And and I know that movie got panned, but I thought oh, yeah. that was a good movie for Carrie. Yeah, he's his career is interesting. I I can say with him, like retiring and everything like that that's a sad moment because i would love to see him come and do some other stuff Uh, i do love that his comment uh about it was you know if something like comes to him you know because somebody asked him like about ace ventura and he was like yeah well you know if uh chris nolan came to me with a script for ace ventura i'd I'd probably come back for that i bet you would and and my (laughs) first thought was I've never wanted a Christopher Nolan directed Ace Ventura movie, but now I want a Christopher Nolan Ace Ventura movie. <laughs> you know, I actually think he could pull it off, though. He could bring that into like this he, weird, dark, grimy comedy light. It doesn't even have to be dark. You can just uh, bring Ace Ventura up into um, New York City's like elite detective squad, and there's a mystery to be solved. You just drop Jim Carrey in the middle of all that. Get a great uh, co-writer. That's a um, that, that's a great. Get a great co-writer. That's a comedy writer to co-write the script, and you got a movie. Right. I I would I would watch that. I would love that movie. It could be the worst movie ever. I would still absolutely be on the edge of my seat, giddy with watching that movie. Well, you know, cheers to uh, you know maybe that happening. Yeah. But all right, y'all. This has been another great episode of Double Feature Versus. Uh, We will catch y'all on the flip side.